You're listening to the Speaking Tongues podcast. I'm your host, El Sharice. Each week, I sit down to a conversation with multilinguals where we discuss and celebrate language, life, and culture through our own perspectives. Episode 114, Speaking Flemish and Italian. Hello, language lovers. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Speaking Tongues, the podcast in conversation with multilinguals. This week, I'm speaking with Kenny, a polyglot and language teacher about two of his languages, Flemish and Italian. In this episode, Kenny tells us how language is a part of life where he grew up in Belgium and which languages are spoken in which regions of the country. He tells us about how politics and language are often related in Belgium and how it can impact interactions with strangers. I'm even telling a story about how this once affected my travels in the country. We talk about some variations on standard Dutch and Belgian Dutch, and we talk about understanding why we say Belgian Dutch and why we say Flemish. Kenny talks to us about code switching in Flanders, subtitles on Belgian television, and his experience with learning Afrikaans. He also tells us about how a trip to Italy at a young age sparked his love with Italian language and culture, and we have a bit of a moment bonding over both of us being introverts. Big thank you to Kenny for this conversation and for sharing bits of your languages and culture with all of us. If you enjoy episodes of Speaking Tongues, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Speaking Tongues podcast on Apple Podcasts, and like and subscribe on YouTube so that other language lovers like ourselves can find the show. Yes, you can listen to the show on YouTube. If you've been a longtime listener of the show or even a recent listener, you can now pledge ongoing support for the show on buymeacoffee.com or on patreon.com. And as you know, I wrote a book. My Food Zine of International Language and Cuisine, Taste Buds Volume 1, is available now for purchase. Check social media for the sneak peek inside the book and make sure you purchase one for yourself and one for your friends. Links to all platforms are in the show notes. Okay, let's chat. Welcome back to another episode of Speaking Tongues. I'm here today with Kenny. How are you today, Kenny? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited and I'm uh, glad we have another chance to talk. I know we talked at the conference uh, a while ago with Dr. Douglas, who's also a guest on the show, um, con- conference that he organized. So I'm happy that we have a chance to dive a little bit more into your language background. Yes, wonderful. <laughs> I love talking about languages, language learning, teaching. So here yeah. I am. Yeah. Well, I like to start each episode with the same question, and that is, what is your first language and which languages have you learned to speak? My first language. So officially it's called Dutch, but many people call it Flemish. Officially nowadays, more and more more people call it Belgian Dutch, the version of Dutch we speak in Belgium. Oh, okay. Yeah, Um, because it's slightly different from the Dutch from the Netherlands. And then which language do I speak? Speak or have I learned to speak so in uh, chronological order? That would be French, English, Italian, German, Portuguese, and I have to start thinking uh, Spanish, Catalan, Danish, Afrikaans, uh, and then I'm, I, I just started with Greek. And actually, yeah, last week I started with Swedish. Oh, wow. 
So since we last spoke, you picked up Swedish because last time we spoke, you were just starting with Greek. Yeah. So uh, with Greek, I, I had started last year very. I always started very slowly, like five minutes a day. And uh, with Greek, I started actually one year ago. Uh, and then I really started this year like a bit more seriously. And then I don't know why, but this, I don't know. I don't know why I just started with Swedish like a week ago or something. I saw Swedish everywhere and I said, and, and something entered in me saying, okay, you should, you should start. Swe why not? Why not? It's always this. Why not? And I, I, I cannot get an answer. Why, why, why shouldn't I start? What yeah. good reason would there be not to start with Swedish? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So you are from Belgium and I know that in Belgium people use well Belgium has three official languages or two? Yes. Three. 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 Yeah. So I'm assuming that most people from Belgium are and even probably people who move to Belgium are multilingual. Does is language a part of the conversation? Is language a part of like how much of life is language a part of in Belgium? Like when you are Belgian, when you're living in Belgium, how much are we thinking about language? Mm, well, first thing, not everyone speaks uh, more than, there are many people who are, especially in the southern part of the country where French is a, a native a language. Uh, many people only speak French. It's changing a little bit. Uh, in the north, most people speak uh, English fluently, French, not so fluently, and sometimes another language. And I think sometimes it's a bit, Belgium is a bit like two nations in one country. And then I'm forgetting about the German speaking part. Mm. So and that's uh, uh, 60,000 people. So that's a small village, a right. small town. Uh, and then Brussels is very special because it's officially bilingual, but in reality, 90% French speaking. But apart from that, you have like, the Dutch speaking part and the French speaking part. And sometimes they feel like two countries in one. You have to see Belgium a little bit like Switzerland, where you have like four nations in one. Mm. So each region, each community has its own language. So it's very much separated. Everything is a bit, there are, a lot, there are not many things that are not separated. So we have our own newspapers are in Dutch or in French. The TV is Dutch or French. It's all separated. Wow. Um, a lot of things are uh, the responsibility of the regions or the communities and not from the federal state because the federal state is in essence responsible for, for defense, uh, foreign policy and the social security. And a few things that, are, that we have in common is like our national soccer team, the Red Devils, then the train, the railway, uh, the railway system is still uh, federal organized. Mm -hmm. The king, yeah, the king is uh, above the Belgians, uh, of <laughs> course. Um, but apart from that, there is not a lot that we have in common. Mm. I never had um, French-speaking friends, for example. Interesting. Yeah, I hardly ever had contact with French-speaking people. Only in my Last job in Belgium, I worked for a federal uh, department, federal department of uh, labor, and then I had some contact with French-speaking people, but also on that level, everything was separated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where people were responsible for French-speaking part of the country and people were responsible for the Dutch-speaking part of the country, and in actually you have to see it's it's almost as if they are two different countries. Yeah, if you were to tell me, I, I don't know anyone from Canada, 
Mm-hmm. Canada is not so far from New York. Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone from Canada. It's a bit the same. Okay, I don't know anyone from the, the Walloon region, the French-speaking part of the country. Mm. Now you're going to tell me you know a lot of people in Canada. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually reflecting on the times that I've been to Belgium, mm-hmm. and I spent most of that time in Brussels. Mm-hmm. And I went to. I told you this story. Like, mm-hmm. I had a choice to go either to bruges or to ghent and i went to the wrong city because i should have gone to ghent and um it's interesting because the belgian people that i ended up becoming friends with were all from ghent and they all spoke flemish as a first language but when i was out with them they would communicate in in french like if we were at the bar They'd, in Brussels. In yeah. Brussels, they'd order in French. And I remember this one time I went to dinner with a friend and um I ordered uh did I tell you the story? I ordered a beer because that's yeah. all I drank when I was in Belgium on purpose. Because I wanted to try as many as I could. <laughs> and I ordered um Leffe Brun. Yeah. And the waitress looked at me and she was like, What? In Dutch. And I was like, and I said, I was like, oh, I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh, God, I said it wrong. And I said it again. And then she's still like not hearing me. And my friend from Ghent tells her off in Flemish. And I was like, oh, OK. And then he explains to me like, oh, she understood what you said, but it was just because you were saying it like in a French way, like yeah. France French instead of yeah. like Belgian French. And she was just giving you an attitude. And I was okay. like. Okay, so I'm telling you this story because, one, I like to reminisce on my time in Belgium (laughs) because I love it there. Um, But also because I, for years, have been trying to understand through my friends and through the news just how that language exchange works. Like, what's okay to speak to whom? And, you know, what if, if if you say something in French to someone who, you know, is Flemish, like... Do, are you going to get an attitude like I did? Or, that depends you know, or very much on the person you have in front of you. Mm. My, I, I know that my, my father, for example, refuses to speak French in Flanders mm. because he okay. finds, okay, we're in Belgium, you should you speak, here you speak Dutch. If I'm in, when I'm in Flanders and somebody starts speaking to me in whatever language, I'll, I'll be happy. <laughs> it doesn't matter what, <laughs> what language it is. I'll reply. I'll, I, I always ask yeah, what, what language do you want to speak? If I see, okay, you're struggling with Digi, do you prefer to speak in French and English? But it depends very much on the person you have in front of you. Because in Belgium, in Flanders, you have people who are who want their own country, a Flemish Republic. Right. So you have that. And in, in that way, yeah, languages enters politics, of course. Uh, everything uh, related to politics is related to language in Belgium. Mm-hmm. Um, so it de- very much depends who you're talking to. And that's very difficult to know, of course, if you don't know the person. That's if true. you don't know what, if that person, I, I, I love languages, so I, I don't mind what, what language you're speaking. Uh, but other people, in, especially in Flanders, they have the idea that French-speaking people, the, the Walloon people call, call that, and the people from Brussels, they don't want to make the effort to learn Dutch. Mm. And you're living in a trilingual uh, country. And the problem is a bit that 
uh, Flemish people, everyone in Flanders had at least nine years of French at school. Okay. It's compulsory. So I think a lot of people say, okay, we had to learn this language, French. So the other the people from the other part of the country should make the same efforts. Mm -hmm. The only thing, education is also separated. And in the South, for years, they made uh, the, the, the students and the parents actually choose what second language do you want to learn first, English or Dutch? Of course, on a global scale, English is way more important. So many people chose English. Mm. And then you only have three years of Dutch at the end of high school. While in Flanders, your first foreign language is always French. Everyone has nine years of French. And then afterwards, when you're 12, you start with English for six years. That's wild. That's a big difference between... Because, yeah, politics, it, it's separated. Education is separated. So each region decides what they do, how they organize their school. Mm -hmm. And that no. has an effect on, on the people, but also on politics, on how the, this, the country is organized. Yeah. One of my dreams with this show, I would love to go to Belgium or and other nations that have more than one official language mm -hmm. and just like talk to people and experience, you know, how they go through their day using two languages or how like I think this is something for me had I realized when I'd gone to Belgium mm -hmm way too long ago i don't think i've been to belgium in like 10 yeah. years <laughs> i can't believe it but i wish i'd known that then because i would have i would have paid attention in a different way yeah um i think you want to hear how people live together with those two languages while in belgium that doesn't happen a lot mm. in other countries like for example in spain i live in spain so you have region uh, regions with where there is an, uh, also another language co-official uh, like in, in Barcelona, you right. have two languages. You have, uh, you have Spanish and, and uh, Catalan. Mm -hmm. And in, in that region, in that um, Catalonia, in that region, you have both languages that are present. In big part of the region, you have some, in Barcelona is sometimes 50-50, but it's a very much Spanish-speaking uh, uh, territory. Mm -hmm. But in other parts, it's way more Catalan. And there you have, yeah, sometimes a mix while in Belgium, you don't have that uh, a lot. It's, it's an exception, actually. I, I spent that time in Brussels and I leaned a lot on the French that I knew at the time. And mm -hmm. the only person who gave me a problem was that woman at the restaurant. Yeah. But yeah, OK. All right. This is this is blowing my mind right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like stuff that I knew, but like, you know, you're saying this yeah. again and I'm like, oh, okay. All right. All right. So with Flemish, Belgian, Dutch, um, and you also speak Afrikaans mm -hmm. and we also have Dutch from the Netherlands. So yeah. can you talk to me about how those three languages are similar or different or for you or like what was how was your experience kind of learning Afrikaans versus Flemish and what do you notice about the differences between Flemish and Dutch spoken in the Netherlands for example yeah well um so you have standard Belgian Dutch and standard Dutch from the Netherlands if you compare those two they're not in my opinion the differences are limited if you listen to the news uh, from Belgium in, in Dutch and the news from the Netherlands in, in their Dutch, there are not a lot of differences, in my opinion, because it's very standard. The, mm. the problem is 
not many people speak standard Dutch, as in, in, in England, not everybody speaks the Queen's English. Right. Not that many people speak BBC English. Uh, so it's a bit the same in the Netherlands and in Belgium. Especially in Belgium, there is something what we call like an in-between language. What is that in? Why in between? Because it's somewhere in between the dialects and the standard Dutch. Mm-hmm. So influence from dialects that enter in the colloquial Dutch, that we use a lot when we speak to friends, to family, even colleagues. Even in soap operas, they start. They started a long time ago using that language. So you have a big difference between that colloquial language and how they speak on the street in in Amsterdam, for example. There's a big difference. The last time I was in Rotterdam, and that's already, uh, I think, uh, seven or eight years ago, I was in an Italian restaurant, and the people who were working there were, were from the Netherlands. I ordered in Dutch. They answered in English. Oh. Because for people from the Netherlands, often it's sometimes difficult to understand somebody from Belgium because they don't have a lot of exposure to how we speak. The other way around, uh, when I grew up, I'm, I'm, I think I'm the last generation where at school we had to learn the Dutch, standard Dutch. So typical expressions, typical ways to say something in, in, that we use in Belgium uh, uh, colloquially, we're saying, okay, this is wrong. This is a mistake. Hmm. So uh, we grew up, I grew up with that uh, Dutch from the Netherlands, but at home, my, pa- my parents speak dialect. I um, grew up on the border. Uh, two kilometers. My my uh, parents lived uh, two kilometers from the border with the Netherlands. So we went to the Netherlands to go shopping, for example. Oh wow! We watched. I watched Dutch television. We listened to Dutch music, and we have um, way more exposure. So for us, it's easier to understand them than the other way around. Interesting. Yeah, and in that way, I understand that a lot of people start saying, "Okay, this." Sometimes it feels some. It feels like another language. Mm. Of course, for somebody from the Belgium, it's a bit, yeah, well, my, my native language is Dutch. Yeah, but in the Netherlands, they also speak. It, it sometimes feels a bit, it's not ours. Mm. Even though at school, this, uh, the, the subject at school is called Dutch. In, in the Belgian constitution, it's written in Belgium or spoken three languages, uh, Dutch, French, and, and German. So we don't have our own Flemish language. Right, right. Many people will still say, um, okay, my native language is Dutch, but I'm from, from Belgium. I speak with a Flemish accent or a Belgian accent. Interesting. The problem is, linguistically, Flemish mm-hmm. is actually a group of dialects that is spoken in the north of France, in uh, two provinces of Belgium, and in a part of the south of the Netherlands, linguistically. Okay. So it's very difficult to use that term Flemish also to refer to the Dutch that is spoken in Belgium. Mm-hmm. So now, what you see more and more is a Belgian Dutch. Yeah. Okay. As if you were, as as people say, American English. Yeah. Yeah, American English, English as it's spoken in America, Belgian Dutch, Dutch as it's spoken in Belgium. Yeah. Are people offended by the term Flemish? Not not everyone, but are, is there a faction of people who don't want to hear the word Flemish and they? Like only is it like being reclaimed as Belgian Dutch, or is it like is it a movement? Or uh, there are people who say, okay, I speak Flemish. I would like to 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 use the, the word Flemish for the language. And then mm. other people, yeah, I think I'm somewhere in between them and say Belgian Dutch doesn't sound that bad. Yeah, because you have American English. That's the true. Dif- the difference, I think, the problem is a bit if you say American English, you have an idea how people what it is. 
like uh, networking, uh, network English from uh, CNN, NBC. Mm -hmm. While in Belgium, that exists also, like we call it VRT Dutch. Uh, VRT is the, the Flemish public broadcaster. The problem is a bit the difference between how a journalist uh, speaks and how people speak is very big. Is very big. That yeah. feels sometimes as a, uh, a, a yeah a big difference, a big a different language sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then there's the influence, like in every country in Europe, of dialects. When I go, you went to Bruges. When I go to that province in certain parts, and they speak to me in their dialect, I, I'm, I'm saying, sorry, I need an interpreter. Whoa. And what is and I'm not the only one because I think the last 20 years when they interview someone, they ask somebody, hey, what do you think about the war in Ukraine? And they interview somebody from uh, a city or a village, they put subtitles now. So that person is speaking Dutch, maybe with an accent, maybe a bit of dialect, uh, maybe colloquial, and they put subtitles because mm -hmm. somebody from the other side of the country might not understand what that person is saying. That's how big the differences are in Flanders, in Belgium. This is amazing. I think when I spoke to Petra, she mentioned some differences also in the yeah. language like this. So I'm always fascinated to hear it again because, and this is again why I want to come to Belgium and just like go around and, and experience this because like I said, I was just there, I was there for the beer. Um, and there's like, <laughs> I, I was, you know, I was young. Like I want to go back now that yeah. I'm, I'm older and I'm wiser and I want to experience mm -hmm. Belgium in a completely different way. This is amazing. This is fascinating. Can you tell me like, as you're talking about the standard versus the, like the dialect, like, mm -hmm. can you give me some examples of how, like some phrases that may differ from like a standard way of saying it to like, you know, how you would have said it in your house or, or with your friends? Yeah. So what is important here, um, Belgium, so you have French and the French were also uh, present uh, for a long while. Napoleon was in Belgium also. Uh, what the result of that is still visible in how people speak. We use a lot, a lot of words from French in the, in the colloquial language, which they don't do in the Netherlands, of course. Mm. Uh, a bicycle in standard Dutch would be fits in, in, in Flanders. My parents would say vélo. Bello. Bello, and that's the French word. Yeah. yeah. And then you have a lot, um, if you speak standard Dutch, uh, how are you or, or how is it going would be something like who is het. But then if people speak, you have something like connected speech and that word is, is uist. Oof. Uist. Instead of who is het, you have uist. Oh. That's what my parents would say. Yeah. When you're learning the language and in a book, you're it's, you're seeing who is hut, three words, and then somebody tells you who is. When you're just starting, you don't know what's going on because it's uh. too different from what you see in the books. Yeah. But there's very good news because every um, person from Flanders is able to coach switch. So oh, my brother that? speaks dialect. Mm -hmm. When he's talking to me, he doesn't speak dialect anymore. It's more standard. Hmm. When you're in a context where you meet a formal context, you have a job interview, it's common to switch to as standard as possible. Right. You have a lot of people who live somewhere in Flanders and work in Brussels. What happens then? They meet or they have to work together with people from other parts of the country. Mm -hmm. What do you use then? What, what do you do when you meet somebody who doesn't speak your language? You look for something you have in common. Right. What does everybody has in common? That's standard language. 
and they you can so you switch to the standard Dutch. Mm-hmm. Uh, my ex uh, partner uh, is from Italy. My mother, when she speaks to me, she speaks dialect. But when she spoke to my partner, she she changed. She switched to standard as standard as possible, where the partner wouldn't understand what she was telling her, mm-hmm. what she was telling him. Mm-hmm. So the good thing is that people can switch. It's as if they're um, they speak three languages. Many people a dialect, something in between, a colloquial, what we use with family, with 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 friends, colleagues, and then the standard Dutch, because that's what you learn at school. And that's interesting for when you're learning language, but Belgians or Flemish people will do that also. Then switch to as standard as possible because they know you're learning the language. And so in that way, they can help you, of course. And they won't say, Wist, but they say, who is hurt? Yeah. Oh. As you were learning okay. English, did you did yeah. you notice any, like, did, did your knowledge of Dutch help you when you were learning English? Like, yeah. So the thing is, everything in, in Flanders, that's again a big difference in Belgium. In Flanders, everything is an original version. And my parents did something very interesting. They for they they uh for example, my first Disney movie was The Lion King. There was a Dutch version of that movie, a dubbed version, but we were not allowed to watch it. So everything was an original version from from the moment I almost the moment I was born. Everything was in, so English was all around. So what happens okay. automatically? You start picking up words, pronunciation, and that's what happens. What is the big difference between a child that starts with uh, English in Spain or in in the French speaking part of Belgium and in, in um, the Dutch speaking part at twelve when they have their first lesson of English? The teacher doesn't have to start with "Hello, my name is" or "A B C D." the alphabet, the pronunciation, because most children have already picked up, most children are already able to speak English because mm. it's all around them. Mm-hmm. Everything is in English with subtitles. Um, and that makes it, of course, easier to learn the language. And of course, when when words are similar, um, when the grammar is also, grammar is actually a bit different, but the, word, the words are similar very often. Um, it, it goes faster because you only have to, sometimes you only have to see what, what is the difference between the English word and the Dutch word. Now, if you go back into, into time and you, I've, I've read a lot about the history of Dutch and some people uh, who are learning English, they are, uh, they, they smile when they hear a butterfly. Oh, yeah, butterfly. The butter is not flying. <laughs> what is a butterfly? <laughs> but if you go back to uh, older Dutch, that uh, butterfly and uh, now it's vlinder, some cl- completely different word. But in the past it was botervlieg, which oh. literally translates as butterfly. Huh. And in German also butterfliege. So w- when you go back, you see that those languages are very similar. Yeah. And you see that how they have influenced each other, and that of course when you're learning the language, it makes it easier. Uh, the more connections there are the easier it becomes to study the language. And somebody from, yeah, it, obviously for somebody who speaks Dutch as native language, it's easier than somebody who speaks French as na- a native language mm-hmm. because the difference is bigger. The smaller yeah. the difference, the easier it becomes to learn a language. Right. And for you, I can confirm, I have a lot of, uh, most of my students are fluent in English and most of them advance quick in uh, with uh, with dutch they pick up things it's yeah they're uh, uh, 
the moment you speak fluent English, it doesn't even have to be your native language. It's easy. Dutch is a language rather easy to pick up. Mm. I yeah. should pick up a little bit. I should yeah. try. <laughs> Double a bit. <laughs> I yeah. should try. Going back to Afrikaans, like how how did you come to understanding that? Like, what was that like understanding Afrikaans? Um, yeah, it's free free language for a language learner. For as I mean, it's a free language mm. because you don't. I. It's so similar. That it's extreme. I don't want to say extremely easy. It's very easy if you compare it to other languages. For me, of course, mm-hmm. because it sounds a bit as a mixture of a Flemish dialect with the Dutch pronunciation from the Netherlands. And it's very it's simplified. It sometimes feels like a simplified version of Dutch. And what is very interesting is that some things they do, mm-hmm. we start doing also in Dutch. <laughs> so, in, for example, in, in a lot of words, you have a D in the middle in an adjective, but in a colloquial language, we kick that D out. Right? So you have goede, uh, goede morgen, good morning, goede morgen, but when we speak, we say goede morgen. We kick, we kick the D out oh. in pronunciation. And in, in Afrikaans, they do that automatic. That's, that, that, that's their language. So it's sometimes feel like a simplified version. That's why um, it's for somebody who speaks Dutch, it's easier to learn Afrikaans the other way around because our grammar is more complicated. Right, right. You know? That's why for me, it feels a bit like an an, an easy language, a free language almost. <laughs> yeah, that I don't, hard, I, I never really studied it. Mm-hmm. I just started speaking. Yeah. That's why, because I can understand almost everything. That's interesting. And then I just started, I, did I study? I don't think I, I really studied. I have a, one book. <laughs> I did a teach yourself book, I think, a little okay. bit, and then I just started speaking. Oh, that's interesting. Because we can, ha- I can have a, I could easily, I could have a conversation with somebody who speaks Afrikaans and just use Dutch, and mm-hmm. we could have a, we we could com- we could communicate. I love that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you want yeah, um, as a language learner, I I, I uh, my idea was to speak the language properly and not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not did you, Dutch with some words of Afrikaans. <laughs> did you plan to start learning Afrikaans or did it just fall into your lap? You mentioned Petra. Mm-hmm. Uh, you interviewed about a year and a half ago, I think. Mm-hmm. And one day she wrote something in uh, in Afrikaans on Twitter. And I thought, oh, that, that looks nice. Why not? Yeah. And then I said, why not? Yeah, again, it's, why not? It's my big problem. Why not? So it's not a and, problem. It's your it's like your mantra. That's yeah, a, why not? Good way, <laughs> good way to go through life. Seven thousand uh, languages in the world. So <laughs> yeah. One at I'm a time. One at a time. That's yeah, well, that's not that's not my mantra because I'm doing multiple at a time. That's the problem also. Yeah. But that makes it interesting also. For, I think many people would say, okay, focus on one language at a at a time, mm-hmm. which certainly helps you to advance faster but it's so, it's interesting to have multiple languages around you for me I, I'm, I'm a language teacher i teach uh, four languages um i live in, an, in a country where they speak spanish a language i don't teach um so most days i have like five six seven languages around me yeah and that motivates me because that's that's what i like that, that's my passion talk to me about italian i know yes. that uh 
you have a passion for Italian similar to me. So uh-huh. um, how did you start? How did you start learning Italian? Why did you start learning Italian? What was the the motivator behind that? Some people uh, wonder if what what effect school has on 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 our lives. Is it important what you study, what you do, where, which school you go to? And for me, yeah, uh, when I was sixteen, my school uh, organized like an exchange program, and we went for two weeks to the south of Italy. That event has. Yeah, the, that was yeah groundbreaking for my life because that's the reason I picked up Italian after university. That's the reason I moved to Italy oh my uh, when I lost my job during the um, financial crisis in tw- 2008. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah um, reason I met. I, I, I have been in a relationship with somebody, an Italian, for 11 years. It's all that's the reason I speak uh, in Italian um, with my dogs <laughs> still. Even though we're not together anymore, I keep on using Italian with them because that's that's the language I've been using uh, for eleven years on a daily basis. Still, mm-hmm. use. yeah. So this, my reason, my love for Italian, it's the fault of my for my school. Yeah, because part they of... organized an exchange program. I mm-hmm. ended up studying Italian and moving to Italy. What part of Italy were you in for those few weeks? So the one of the regions nobody knows, La Basilicata. Okay. Yeah, it's in the south of uh, Italy, in between Puglia and uh, uh, Campania. Yeah. yeah. The region of uh, Naples. Yeah. I've heard it's very. I haven't been. I don't think I've been to Basilicata. No, not many people know of its existence. Yeah. It's so no, um, touristically. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> so. What What was it for you that, ha- well, not what happened in those two weeks, but I guess, you know, as you mentioned that this time in your high school was transformative for you. And I guess your thinking and your way of seeing Italy, like what, what, what was it that drew you in? Yeah, I think the, 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 the culture, the difference, because this was the first time I was away from my country mm-hmm. without my parents. I think I was 16 and everything was different. Yeah. The, the habits, the customs, the food, how do people act? It's, yeah. Uh, Italians are very much different from people from, from Belgium. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Be- yeah, people in Belgium have have their habits. They have breakfast in the morning, then they eat at twelve o'clock, and then in the evening at six and at seven. In Italy, it's like oof, breakfast. No, 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 it doesn't exist. We have a cappuccino at eleven or something, and then we have lunch maybe at two, and then the more you go to the south, then it becomes maybe three o'clock, and in the evening, like we eat at ten or something. My mm-hmm. my family, my former family in law, they they eat at ten in the evening sometimes. So that that big that difference in culture that that opened my eyes because there are other possibilities. How I live is not the way it should be, or it has to be, or it it can be different. Mm-hmm. You can uh, maybe a desire to to it activated the desire to 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 show interest in in other cultures. I think yeah. in other languages. Yeah, and because it was with in Italy with Italian, I think that. That's why I still, even though I'm not uh, together uh, anymore with my um, partner, I still, mm-hmm. it, it, I, I'm still in love with Italy and Italian. That is not going to change, mm-hmm. I think, because it was the first. And 
for two weeks, I spent uh, with that family and, and um, yeah, nobody spoke English, nobody spoke French. Oh so after two weeks, I started speaking, andiamo a casa. I started, after two weeks, without studying, automatically I had picked up some some words, some sentences. Mm -hmm. um, so, I th and that's why after university, I just, oh, I, wanna, I, I don't want to stop uh, studying. So why don't start a language? And then Italy was, the, yeah, the way mm -hmm. to go. What makes sense to me, I think, is like, when so i'm back in italian classes and i've been reading with my teacher and i was reading this whole like page long like five paragraphs and the words were just coming out like so naturally to me mm -hmm. versus when i have to read in french with my french when he makes me read and i'm stumbling over every single every word. word and i'm like it really has me thinking like as much as i want to learn french and i want to have this in my arsenal so to speak mm -hmm. like it just doesn't come out of me you know yeah. it's like I feel like I'm and I don't know if it's because I'm older or and I've had I've been studying Italian for off and on for 21 years so with French it's a little bit less but it's just like Italian just it feels natural to me it is a bit more natural they write how they speak and they mm -hmm. speak how they write Mm -hmm. or French yeah you have a lot of silent letters so it's it, so my first foreign language was French and I struggled a lot when did I started to get French when I started studying Italian hmm. so if I, I uh, many things of, of French like the the conjunctive the subjunctive in French mm -hmm. or the the pronouns and I know in French, in French disaster. I, I didn't get it. I saw them and I didn't get it. Mm -hmm. But then I started studying Italian. And I think maybe because there was like the motivation was I, I love this language. I find it's beautiful. So I wanted to to master it completely. And that the my knowledge of um, Italian grammar transferred to French grammar. Mm. And I suddenly got it. And now I teach French. Yeah. Yeah. But French is it it, it is a very difficult language in my opinion yeah i've started taking difficult out of my vocabulary because i feel yeah. like like for me because mm -hmm. i feel like the reason why i didn't learn french back when i wanted to is because i had it's difficult in my head so i just i try to tell myself like this is a challenge and i'm gonna yeah. meet this challenge because i feel yeah. like as much as I tell myself it's difficult, I feel like that's me saying, like, still saying, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. And Yeah, but that's your mindset Mindset you have to change, I think. Yeah. Because I study um, Danish and Danish pronunciation. I don't know, I don't know what they do. But I, I, don't, I don't know what they're telling. It's very difficult for me. But then what keeps me motivated is that one day I will be able to say, okay, I've done it. Mm-hmm. It was difficult, but I'm now I'm able to speak it. I'm far away from from it, <laughs> but one day I will get there and we'll say, okay, yes, yes, I've I've invested time, and um, now I'm able to have a conversation. I can understand this is a fluent conversation. Yeah, and that keeps me going, even though it's it's difficult. Yeah, it's like it's difficult, but it's like what you said, like a challenge. Like okay, I'll I can I will do it. I can do it. I'll get yeah. there yeah. one day. But it's Why? a marathon, every language. Oh, it is. Uh, for me, what's helped is, um, and this, again, this just works for me as far as mindset, is just like, I, I try not to think too far ahead. 
I try to really just focus on like what I can control at the time because yeah. what happens to me is I start thinking, well, you know, it's been six months. Like I should know this by now and I'm still not getting it. And then I get discouraged. So I no, like, so I started Greek in mm -hmm. August last year. Mm -hmm. I'm not a, I'm not able to order a coffee. <laughs> so we're talking one year. I'm not able to order a coffee. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes when you check on the internet, you have a lot of videos. Uh, learn, um, learn Italian in three months. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Yeah, it's it's clickbait, but it does. I think a lot of people have the idea. Okay, uh, I have to be able to learn the language in three months. Mm. If I'm not getting there in three months, that means okay, I, I don't have the talent. It's impossible. I give up. So for me personally, I think that's the biggest demotivator out there because mm. it's the idea. It has to be easy. It has to go uh, fast. Well, I, I, I started uh, Swedish and I already know, oh, this is not going to be easy. Mm. It's going to take a while because I, I also, also speak Danish, so I'm going to mix up um, new words, new pronunciation. There will be false friends. Even if it's a language connected to another language, it remains difficult. It's not yeah. going to be. What do you you do learn if you speak multiple languages? Is you realize that's a marathon. It's not. It 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 can be. Often it can be easier. Often you can have fun uh, while learning a language, but it's never really easy. Even Afrikaans for me sometimes I think it's so similar that it's difficult. There's always something that is difficult, and it's never going to go far. You cannot. Yeah, you can learn a language in one year, probably. Yeah, if you live in the country or if you spend every day, I don't know, two hours studying it, then you're and and it maybe and it's a language that's similar to your own or a language you know. Mm -hmm. Probably in one year you'll be fluent. Yeah. But if you, I don't live in Greece, I don't study every year, every day, one year, uh, one year, one hour. So obviously it's gonna take a while. I'll get mm -hmm. there. But for me personally, there is no pressure. I'm, I'm yeah. just enjoying the language, discovering yeah. the language. Yeah. Yeah. And that really, that's really how I jumped back into French um, mm -hmm. at the end of 2020, because I said, I don't want to put pressure on myself. And my only focus was I wanted to get to the point where I didn't feel like, I didn't feel foolish in front of a native speaker. I wanted to, my only focus was to feel confident making mistakes yeah. in front of a native speaker. And before then, I was just really in a place where if you spoke to me in French, I would just be like, or I'd be like, oh, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> I know people listening can't see my face, but that was either like frightened or yeah. swooning. Um, yeah. So I didn't I, I I my and my my thoughts would jam up. So I couldn't even think of like, OK, you just asked me something. How do I respond? And that's wait, second person plural. And then I have to do that on the ending. And that's what my brain was doing. And I couldn't even fake my way into a response so a, a year and yeah, a half but, later i'm actually thinking like oh wow i can do it yeah. and i make mistakes all the time and i do not care and i feel so happy that i'm just like oh well <laughs> yeah oops yeah i think what is important what you said is that i i don't want to look foolish in front of a native speaker mm-hmm 
if you look foolish in front of a native speaker, actually, I think it's a native speaker who has a problem. Mm. Because whenever somebody starts speaking to me in Dutch and has a low level, I just want to help. I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm patient. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think often we're afraid to look foolish. Um, but what is, what is a good thing is when you have a lesson, especially if it's like a one-to-one one, one lesson, yeah, a teacher uh, should be very patient and is there to help you. Yeah. So there you have all, I always, I, first lesson with my students, always say, this is a, um, a language safe zone. You can make as many mistakes as possible. You can feel ridiculous. I'm not going to judge you. Uh, it's, it's my job to help you, to, to improve. And I think that's, setting a lot of people are afraid to start speaking the language mm. as you said in front of a native speaker of course if you have an a2 level and then in the beginner level and with a native speaker that person might not be very patient or um has other issues um with, with people who are learning the language um so w- what is a good thing about a teacher yeah that per- that's a professional that's there to help you and then you can work on that yeah, to, to, to ditch the idea, okay, I'm going to look f- foolish and you can trial, trial and error. Yeah. That's going to help you the moment you're in front of a native speaker and you will mm. feel more secure. Because one of the, often my job, especially with people who have a low level, uh, is to give them self-esteem. Yeah. I have often the feeling, okay, I have to, yeah, to, to give them to more motiv- motivation because often they say oh i'm making mistakes all the time i had i've had students who cried in my lessons oh no oh i'm again making this mistake and the good thing is about being a language learner is that i i can give 20 20 000 examples where i made the same mistake 20 20 times yeah yeah and it's normal because that's how we learn i want to talk about i know we've talked about this before but um for people listening i know um, they should know we are both introverts mm, and yes. <laughs> we I think that's what we bond over is both being yeah. introverted although it may not sound so like this conversation because mm-hmm. we're having a good time but yeah. um, I know for me getting to that speaking portion of you know learning a language which we should all do sooner than later but yeah. for people who are like us and introverted or maybe people who are painfully shy or etc how what are some ways that you've been able to push yourself into conversation um mm-hmm. you know with people as you're learning languages or maybe something that you've told your students or noticed that other introverts have done to engage in conversation with um with others yeah it depends very much not on your personality i think um so you have a lot of websites out there that uh, where you can get in touch with people to start a language exchange what is the positive about it it's very easy to start talking to someone you just have to write something for a lot of people it's easier to write than immediately have a conversation with someone there are language exchanges that are organized in every city in the world every every week or every evening yeah you can go there but if you're an introvert if you're shy and then go to where suddenly 30 people you don't know it's too much so online you have a lot of websites where you can go to and try to get in touch with people and start speaking in, in that way start uh, writing the moment you feel at ease you can say okay why don't we yeah start sending voice messages or something or mm-hmm. have a video call um you say uh, you, you said before yeah sooner rather than later in my i've tried uh, with Greek, for example, I, I decided, okay, I'm going to immediately start with some lessons 
um, to speak the language immediately, and I did, that didn't work for me. I felt like I need some, I need a very strong basis uh, on, in the language to be able to have a conversation, even to able to have classes. With Catalan, I had a very good experience because I studied it eight months and then I started speaking. Mm. And I, f I felt, okay, I was nervous as hell with uh, my, my teacher, but he put me at ease. And um, I think for some people, you need to study and, and have like, be able to have a conversation already before you start speaking. Um, now, what I've learned is there is no easy way. You have to push yourself sometimes. You'll be nervous. So with my Catalan lessons, I, I remember the first time I was I was very nervous. I didn't know the guy. I thought my Catalan was terrible. But then the first lesson happened and I survived half an hour. And we have been having lessons for uh, over a year now every week. And he feels like a friend almost. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like more a friend than a teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think for many people, they want to have like magic. What is the solution? I'm an introvert and I want to speak uh, with people. There is no magic solution, I think. It's, uh, somewhere along the road, you have to push yourself and, and leave your comfort zone. Because often what I've discovered, my comfort zone is very, very small. Um, but the moment you leave your comfort zone, you'll discover, you'll meet people, people you like. You'll discover that there are things you like that before you were afraid of. Mm. And this is my fifth or sixth interview. I'm giving the first time. First time was in Catalan. Oof. Uh, and I was, I, was, I was nervous. Last time we, we had a chat. There was a public. There was a live interview. I, I was dying. I was sweating and I wanted, I wanted to send a message. <laughs> I have COVID or something <laughs> to cancel the interview, but I went for it and I had a great time. And afterwards, the most important thing is what happens afterwards, because then afterwards you have the feeling I've done it. I did it. I, did, I, I, I was afraid, but I, I, I did it. I was able to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's with everything in life, I think. Yeah. Now I'm giving great advice, but sometimes I should I should live, listen to my own advice <laughs> because it's easier said than done. That's yeah, a, that's the thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think you should push yourself sometimes. I'm part from a, um, a language community on Twitter. There are many introverts mm. in there, and but I found um, today I had a, a language exchange, uh, Flemish French. And tomorrow, I don't have, but on uh, Thursday, I have two with people from Twitter, people who are, have the same interests, people who are into languages. And we, we got in touch and we started talking. There's one, one guy I have been having a language exchange every Thursday for the past eight months. No, wow. it's more, it's like 10 months. Yeah. And for me, it's easier this way because I, before I already, I, I know this person a little bit it's mm. easier it's not a strange it's not a complete strange and i think there are a lot of it there is tandem there is hello talk there are a lot of websites that offer that possibility to get in touch with people mm -hmm. and i think you have a profile so you already know a bit about this person oh this person is into, into dogs uh, this person tra likes traveling this person is i don't know so you already know the person a little bit and then it's easier i think to start talking yeah yeah but then you still have to push yourself a little bit to leave your comfort zone. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I remember the first language exchange I had in French. I was, I almost puked that morning. Yeah. 
I was like so nervous and my language partner brought it up recently. He's like, do you remember how nervous you were the first time yeah. that we spoke? And I was like, oh, yeah, I almost puked in the bathroom before, <laughs> before we talked. I think, but I think what, what many people think, okay, I'm the only one like this. Mm -hmm. And But I, I've had 200 students on, on uh, the past uh, one year and two months. The amount of students I've had the first lesson, they were nervous as terribly nervous is is incredible where i as an introvert and shy person i have to put people at ease mm, mm -hmm. and i've had a lesson or two lessons with petra also and she learns italian too everybody learns italian of course <laughs> beautiful language um and the first thing she told me Oof, i'm nervous oh. i'm nervous i said okay wonderful i'm nervous too <laughs> yeah so you're not i think it's important also to tell how you feel mm-hmm well, because because when you tell I'm nervous, that other person might say, "Oh, I'm, I'm nervous too." Yeah. And when somebody tells me I'm nervous, I'm, I feel at ease. Okay, I'm not the only one. <laughs> We're both nervous. Perfect. <laughs> We're be nervous together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It definitely. I think it definitely helps to know that you're not alone, and that goes with everything, really. Everything. Yeah. yeah. Um. So with all the languages that you've studied and studying what you're studying, and you know, um, what is next for Kenny? Next? Ah, well, uh, professionally, I'm working on a podcast. Oh, cool. <laughs> oh, in Flemish. Awesome. Yeah. So a podcast, because there's not a lot on the market for people who want to learn Flemish. Of course, there are a lot of material, but it's for native speakers. Mm -hmm. So I'm working on a podcast with transcripts and an exercise. Uh, that's but I've been working on, on uh, this summer, and I hope after summer to launch. Uh, Language-wise, I just started Swedish, even though my first tweet of uh, 2022 was, I will not start a new language this year. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't have like, I, I know many people have like, I, I would like one day to study Japanese or something. Mm. But I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen in my life. So I, I don't know. Maybe I'll meet someone. I fall in love with somebody from, I don't know, from uh, from uh from brazil oh and and i will focus more on brazilian portuguese or i'll meet somebody from china there, yeah there's a chinatown uh, near my home um <laughs> so maybe i meet somebody from china and say, oh, now i have to study chinese yeah recently i met somebody from twitter whose native language is tagalog filipino cool and i thought okay why maybe <laughs> who knows <laughs> yeah so i don't have a plan we'll okay. see what happens I was going to ask you, but I, you're not going to have an answer to this. And I wouldn't want to be asked this anyway, but I'm going to ask you. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I wouldn't want to be asked this because no, I wouldn't know how to I'm answer. I'm curious. I'm curious. <laughs> it's just Tell such me. like a basic, stupid question. But of all the languages that you speak, do you have a favorite? Yeah, Italian, of course. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's my... Yeah, I cannot it's um yeah because it was the first one it was the first time i was out of my country it was my my first relationship i had a relation for 11 years with an italian um i like the country i'm very much interested in in history and yeah rome yeah the roman empire then the food I'm a vegetarian, and in Italy, you can, yeah, pasta often is without meat, pizza. You can, there, there are a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, 
so the music big fan of Laura Pausini always <laughs> been so um yeah definitely Italian forever I think please let us know where we can find you uh and where we can study with you or language exchange with mm-hmm. you um let us know how to contact you but the easiest way is just my website it's uh, somethingpolyglot.com okay yeah there you have all my links and my uh, Instagram and Twitter and my email if you want to send me an email great I always answer yeah perfect I will add a link to your website in the show notes for this episode so okay. that people can find you right away wonderful yeah thank you so much thank you so much for this I actually like this almost never happens I actually forgot we were recording for a while because I just felt like catching up with a friend I feel yeah, like <laughs> this, this this is a bit like most of my lessons are like this feels sometimes it feels like okay you're just catching up and yeah it's nice yeah. the only thing I, I don't have to uh, correct your mistakes of course <laughs> so, I mean you can corrections yeah, are no, always no, no. welcome so <laughs> I'm, I'll take it but um yeah thank you so much for this conversation and it's really been wonderful no, thank you, you because time. for me this is out of my comfort zone so I'm always happy if somebody pushes me a little bit out of my comfort zone <laughs> yeah if I don't push myself somebody else will give me <laughs> a little push yeah we'll push we'll we have to push each other I think yeah uh That's as cool. introverts um yeah. I like to end each episode on the same question just to have a little bit of fun before mm-hmm. we say goodbye mm-hmm. do you have any jokes popular sayings tongue twisters cool slang words, idioms, words of wisdom, or words of advice in Belgian, Dutch, or Italian to share and uh, to teach, yeah. to teach, to teach. Well, there, well, I ha- there's a connect. I have one from Flemish, Flemish, typically Flemish expression, and then one from Italian, and they have something in common. Okay. So, and so in English, you can say, I am in the middle of nowhere in Dutch or in Flemish. We say in it whole van Pluto, which literally means in Pluto's ass. <laughs> which uh, the, the expression has its origin in um, the entrance to the underworld. Because mm. the, Ro- in Roman religion, Pluto ruled in the underworld. So right. that's in the, in the middle of nowhere, in Pluto's mm-hmm. ass, we say. Typical Flemish expression. Yeah. And I think probably you, you for sure know uh, in bocca al lupo si. in Italian. In bocca al lupo. What do you answer? Uh, something il lupo. Oh, damn it. What is it? Because you have a short, I always say the short one. The short one is crepi. 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 And you can say crepi il lupo, but I haven't heard that one a lot. Most people say crepi, which means like that, may he die or something. May the, die, the wolf die. But you have an alternative. And okay. that's one other man people you have in culo a la balena. <laughs> in, in the whale's ass. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very colloquial, of course. Uh, in culo a la balena. And then the answer you should say is then speriamo che non caghi. Oh my God. <laughs> Let, let's hope he doesn't have to poo. <laughs> And this finds actually is or probably because it's not sure the origin in something Catholic, but there is like a biblical event where Jonah was swallowed, swallowed by, by the whale. Yeah. Whale. And probably it has something to do with that. So we say in culo a la balena. And it's the same thing else as, um, yeah, uh, in boca lupo and break a leg. 
Boca al lupo in cula la balena. It's, it's way more common to say in boca al lupo, but also this one in cula la balena. <laughs> Save the second one for friends and very close friends. <laughs> and uh, I'll stick to the classic. I couldn't get that word out. Crepe. Crepe. Crepe, oh my yeah. God. It was coming out as like matar, which is Spanish, Spanish which I yeah. don't even speak, but it keeps flowering in my brain for some reason yeah. that was a tangent okay let's let's do the flemish one in hut in hall. yeah in, in hut hall van van pluto pluto yeah in hut hall van pluto yeah that's it oh. in it hall van pluto yeah nice typical flemish yeah oh. yeah i actually so in this case for example in in standard dutch i would what would they say in the middle of nowhere i don't know yeah because it's so flemish that i don't of, often um i know the flemish expression the flemish word and then not the, the standard dutch or the standard belgian dutch sometimes mm -hmm. yeah. it's so common to use a colloquial uh, form or the colloquial expression mm -hmm. thank you for sharing those mm -hmm. you're welcome <laughs> yeah yeah well again this has been a wonderful chat this has been a mm -hmm. wonderful conversation i've had with you and uh really quickly before i let you go don't think about this um after you've been having a conversation with someone uh for you know for a while you've been having a nice conversation you're about to go your separate ways first thing that comes to mind you pick a language just the first one that comes to mind what is the best way to say goodbye don't think don't think i would say ci vediamo ci vediamo yeah ci vediamo okay yeah. kenny yeah. grazie mille e ci vediamo ci vediamo una prossima volta ciao ciao <laughs> ciao bye 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 Whoosh, <whistles> whoosh.